Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Um, Now, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. That can be found on page 1,694. Uh, We're going to be looking at verses 42 to 47. Uh, And last week, we started in our series in Acts. uh, It's called, What is the Church? And, of course, we're not able to look through all of the 28 chapters of Acts in the next six weeks, uh, but we're just going to be stopping in on particular stories that have something pertinent to say to us as the church. Uh, One thing that we reflected on last week was Luke um, was a fairly important person in our understanding of Christianity as a whole. Uh, Luke has written... If you look at all the verses in the New Testament, over 25% of what's in here. Uh, So he has something significant to say about the shape of Christianity. Um, But what's more than just the volume is that he has a unique voice in Scripture of someone who has written both a gospel, looking at the life of Jesus, um, but this second narrative of Acts, this, this beginning of the life of the church. And that these two books are actually meant to be read together. They're not separate things, um, but there's parallels that Luke intentionally draws on between both Luke and Acts. So as we read through Acts, we're going to be visiting Luke quite a bit along the way. Uh, This week, we're going to be looking at how Luke describes the church right after the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So we have the the Holy Spirit descends on the people. Uh, We have this fantastic message that Peter uh, preaches, kind of this first uh, gospel message here. And then these are the first words that uh, Luke has to say. And let's just pay attention to what things get highlighted when Luke describes this new community. Luke chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracles, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, to help us out uh, this morning, I have these three images, and we'll just kind of highlight them as we go along so we um, know what place we are and what we're focusing in on. And we're starting off with this picture of bread. Uh, I've mentioned this before, uh, but I once took a class where we just spent two weeks on Galliano Island. Um, living together on a small farm, and our assignments included things like foraging mushrooms, um, planning a meal for the other students, 
And we, we even uh, butchered a, a sheep or a goat. Um, for some reason, it does, like the type of animals, not what really stood out to me um, in that. But a huge part of the course was connecting us to the, the process of food. A lot of the people there had grown up in cities and didn't, weren't really aware of where our food comes from. A major aspect of the course was sharing meals together. Uh, we shared all of our meals together at the professor's house, and he had this really long table. And we all would sit there, and while we were having our meals, we weren't supposed to talk about the course materials or anything like that. There wasn't an agenda. Uh, we just ate and shared our stories, shared our time with each other. Uh, the professor had designed the course this way because... The important things about food isn't necessarily what we read about food and what we thought about food, because that's not what food is for. Food is for other things. It's for eating, for sharing, for serving, for receiving, for being the host and being the guest, for tasting and for delighting. I think it's significant looking at our passage here that food is mentioned several times. The disciples were known in the breaking of bread together multiple times. Luke mentions this in the introduction of the church community. It signals something about the type of relationships they had with each other. I remember um, in describing Luke, um, this, this leveling that happens when we all share a plate together. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of job you have, you all share from that same plate. There's a level of equality that comes in coming to the table. That's saying something about what type of community this was. Now, this wasn't only about equality. It was a community-building event in itself. It means that these people were willing to share with each other. They would share food, but with that, they would share stories, they would share their time, they would laugh together, they would pray together, they would enjoy the things of life together. Now, to back up again and to look at where this is situated, this is happening in Acts chapter 2. This is this first description that Luke has to talk about what the church is. What does it look like to be spirit-filled people? And we have this repetition in going to food. We might expect to see something else being highlighted. You would expect maybe that spirit-filled people, basically all that they would be doing is miracles and signs and wonders, but that only gets one line and kind of passing through here. Or we might expect to see how the, the Spirit led particular people like Peter uh, to do bigger and better things. But the next line doesn't focus on any of the disciples. It doesn't name anyone in this little section. There's no celebrities to follow here. The first descriptions of the church are a community that are brought together and united by the presence of God. And notice that the presence of the Holy Spirit here is more than a charismatic experience. Uh, that this people, they have this extraordinary experience of the Holy Spirit coming um, in the earlier part. So perhaps there was uh, some, uh, an emotional experience attached to the Holy Spirit's presence. 
But their response then isn't that they just returned next Sunday for the same thing. Luke points his attention elsewhere. The, the Holy Spirit's presence amongst the people also changes the way that they interact with each other and with the things that they have. What we find is that the Holy Spirit-filled people are attentive in almost some of the mundane things in life. They're serving food to each other, being a guest at someone else's table. These are the types of things that people do when the Spirit of God is with them. And this shouldn't surprise us because the Holy Spirit is what shapes and forms us into the likeness of Jesus. And Jesus was someone that was known for sitting at the table and eating with others. Uh, one of the stories that I had left out uh, was this time where, where Jesus was teaching around the Sea of Galilee, and there was a huge crowd in front of them, 5,000 people. And one of the things that came to Jesus' mind was, we should sit down and have a meal together. And there wasn't enough food there for it, um, but God provided. And when all was said and done, it wasn't just a little bit of food that people had. Everybody had their fill. Luke says that there were 12 baskets left over afterwards. It was a story of abundance rather than scarcity. A story of togetherness that's found in a meal, the filling of the stomach of the hungry. Now, we learn from this that as spirit-filled people, uh, the types of activities that we do are not limited to, to just kind of these spectacular things. They can be as simple as just sharing a meal. This has been one of the quiet challenges, I think, of COVID. Um, maybe there's been a higher focus on our gatherings here on Sunday and, and how that's been impacted. But just as there has been diminished meetings here, there's also been a lessening of the things that we can share, like meals. I guess this probably has a pretty simple application as we look at it. Uh, one thing is that we should be cultivating an expectation or an anticipation of having meals together again. Uh, maybe we're not there yet, um, but this is something that we should be able to look forward to. Remembering the values of a meal. Um, for, for those of us that aren't comfortable in that space yet, I, I invite you also to consider what shared values are there in just having a meal together? Perhaps we can be thinking of the practices that involve giving to others, or where you can be the guest and someone else can be the host. Find ways of having spaces um, where the point isn't something to study or a particular agenda that we have, but of simply being together. Maybe this involves being extra intentional in calling some people that you haven't seen that are part of this community. This is part of what it means to be the saved people of God. This is part of what it means to be people with the Holy Spirit. Another thing that these people did, they sold what they had and gave to anyone in need as we see in verse 45 here. 
Um, Acts chapter 4 expands on this a little bit. Um, it talks about how uh, this particular community gave so much that, um, and God's grace was so powerfully at work at them that all, or them all, that there were no needy persons among them. So whatever it means to be people of the church, uh, to be part of the church, um, it does not mean that we're just a group of saved souls who don't care about what happens to other people around us. The first descriptions of this community that's formed by the Holy Spirit is generosity. They gave to anyone in need. They aren't shedding themselves of material things because material things don't matter. That's not why they were getting rid of things. They were giving because they saw that there was some people that had less and some people that had more. Now, something that we might miss in looking at this, if we haven't looked through our Old Testament alongside our reading of the New, is a connection that Luke is hoping that we're going to see here to the laws of the Old Testament, uh, particularly in Deuteronomy. The church here is living into the generosity that Israel was supposed to show, that Israel was meant to live into. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, it says, or it, it's, talk, it's a section about... Um, ending cycles of poverty, how there, there were systems in place where you were to um, set people free from their, their debts. And the line goes in verse 4, there need be no poor people among you. There was a sense in which living into God's good law would mean that there was a whole community where there were no poor there. So there's something specific that Luke is trying to say here. Luke is saying that this is a people living like the true Israel, or even more than that. He is saying that this community is the true Israel. Finally come. The lofty vision of what the people of Israel could be if they lived into the generosity that they were called to is displayed in the early church upon the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And notice that their giving wasn't in their own generosity. If we look back to that Acts chapter 4 passage, we see that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, that all, um, them all that there were no needy persons among them. Uh, it starts in understanding God's grace. A deepening understanding of God's grace doesn't lead to just a, a sense of peacefulness in our hearts, but it actually extends us outward towards other people. It opens our eyes to the needy in our neighborhoods. It has them distributing what they have. This should remind us uh, that, that spirit-filled people, Luke's first description of what this looks like, involves some pretty ordinary things. Things that point back again to Jesus' teachings as described in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, so in, in contrast to the generosity that we see of the early church here, we can think back to some stories in uh, the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says um, he encounters a rich leader at one point. And uh, this rich young man um, is faulted for not being able to give what he has. 
And Jesus says this famous saying of how it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the the part, part of that story that we walk away with is that Jesus was very pro-generosity. And here we have a Christian community um, when the Spirit comes that is living into that generosity. Uh, perhaps a little more famously, in, in Luke chapter 16, we have a story of someone who's traveling from, kind of, he's taking that route from Jericho up to Jerusalem, and he gets attacked by uh, some people, and he's, he's lying there and injured in a ditch. And along comes a priest, and then a teacher of the law, and they pass by on the other side. They don't go to help him. Uh, the hero of that story is the person who comes and helps the other person, who shows generosity, who looks after them, who gives a space for that person uh, to heal up. The point of the story goes towards that it's not about the rules that you follow or that, that you know. Uh, it's about this generosity and care that the Christian community or that the followers of Jesus were meant to have for others. The true Israel was to be marked by generosity. Luke is making a connection for us. If we're reading these stories together, we can see Luke is saying that the people living into their generosity are living into what is expected for the people of God. The Spirit-filled people care for the needy among them. And remember, this is talking about us. Um, this is talking about the church. We are living into the same story. Uh, so perhaps we can be challenged this way. How are we living into this generosity? Uh, one of the ways that we at Living Hope have been trying to, to model this and live into this is through the, the Deacon Advent Project. Uh, the deacons for the last two years um, have given $100 to 10 different families, groups of people, or individuals, and they didn't give much uh, prerequisites to how they were to use it. They were simply to, in prayer, see how this could be used as a blessing for others to prayerfully discern how they can be a blessing. And at the end, uh, once Christmas comes along, that we hear or that they come back and share some of the stories. So we get 10 different stories of how God had prompted them uh, to be a blessing in different ways. One of the reasons why $100 was chosen and not more was because here we get some simple examples of how anyone can bless people with $10 or with $100 and a prayerful heart and a watchful eye, that's all it takes sometimes to be a blessing. It's intentionally open-ended. At the end of Advent, as we collect the stories, we get diversity in the ways that God can call each of us. So one of our examples just from this past um, Christmas was um, from John and Janice Vanderleek. Uh, they decided to contact the Cyrus Center to see if um, the Cyrus Center had any suggestions of how they could bless kids as they came to the drop-in center. Um, the Cyrus Center had suggested local places for food and treats, uh, so they dropped off 10 $10 gift cards to places like Tim Hortons, McDonald's, or Subway with no strings attached 
Just a chance to bless some people who may need some extra signs of God's love throughout Christmas. And these are just simple things that we can do. It's not limited to the deacons asking you to do something. We don't have to wait for that to happen. We are all able to think of ways of caring for people around us. Are we taking the time to pray, to ask God how we can be a blessing? Do we have our eyes open to how we can be sharing? Lastly, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They learned stuff. A part of what the Spirit-filled people do, uh, the first thing that's mentioned about them, actually, is that they commit themselves to what the apostles were saying. Uh, This is important because who were the apostles? But the people who had spent time with Jesus, the people that had spent time at Jesus' feet learning about him. This is because Christianity is centered around truth. A danger that we have in simply looking at the actions that the people took is that it can give the impression that this is about a group simply trying to act the right way. It can become another legalism on its own. It's not just a way of life that's meant to make us happy. This isn't just about hanging out and eating together and being generous and feeling good about ourselves that way. Uh, this, the book of Acts can't be boiled down to a five ways of feeling good about yourself blog. They acted this way because they were anchored around a truth in who Jesus is. For a taste of what sorts of things that they would say when they talked about Jesus, we can just look at the passage directly before what we read, where we have Peter speaking about who Jesus is. And one of the things that you'll note in looking at that was that they couldn't talk about Jesus without pointing back towards the Old Testament, how Jesus was the fulfillment of the things that they were expecting. But they would also talk about Jesus, how he was more than just showing a good way to live, that Jesus was sent to be among us and sent to be God among us, that through his death and resurrection, people were offered new life, that they didn't need to earn their way to right relationship with God, but this was a free gift offered to them. His message finishes with repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And, when, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the, the invitation that Peter gives there is an invitation that Jesus is for everyone. All are invited to Christ, and all are invited into this forgiveness of their sins. But he doesn't stop just with the forgiveness of sins. He goes on towards the gifting of the Holy Spirit, of God's presence in their midst. They weren't simply forgiven and then forgotten about, but here we have restored relationship with God, This is the foundation that we have in being changed in how we live amongst each other. I like to imagine that they would also tell some of the same stories that Jesus would tell when they talked to the other churches or when they talked to the people of the early church. How God's work in the church could work like yeast in the midst of dough. 
how it would start in some small place and expand almost invisibly. They could finish with reminding the people that this is us. We have been given restored relationship with God and the spirit dwelling within us goes in and seeps in and transforms everything. How we connect with other people, how we deal with our stuff, how we are generous with the things that we have. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings because this reminds them that the love of God was at the core of things and the presence of Christ is what transforms them, knowing that they had been offered that forgiveness. So our question that we have to finish here is how do we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings? Do you steep yourselves in God's word to the, to the stories that are found in this book? Do we have ways of reminding ourselves of this foundation that we're meant to live out of? Because if we don't, we can quickly turn this into a self-help club. We can quickly turn into a group of people who are just trying our best to be nice. We need to remind ourselves that at our core, we live out of a truth which is found in the person of Jesus. So to recap, three things. First, how can you break bread with others? How can you show the values of giving to others or sharing with others? And again, maybe because of the restrictions, we won't actually be sharing food, but simply being extra attentive to giving your time and connecting with others, maybe through the phone, uh, people that you haven't seen for a while. Second, how can you be generous? Does the presence of the Spirit show itself in your lives through your generosity? Lastly, are you committed to the apostles' teachings? Are you dwelling on the truth of who Jesus is and how his salvation changes everything? Let's pray. Eternal God, thank you for your forgiveness, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we may know that you are with us in our engagement with the world. May we cultivate within us an awareness that you and your Spirit's presence, how it is with us and how it prompts us to act in ways that we see in our passage. Help us to see how your restored presence in us prompts us to restore the world around us, renewing our relationships, giving for those who are in need, and showing your love to those around us. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.